Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episodes 7 and 8, Dominion and Surrender. Mostly action episodes. Uh, I feel like they faltered a little bit. That tends to happen with action episodes where they get kind of stupid. Well, I mean this affectionately. This is Star Trek. Right. It does get a little stupid right. by nature. <laughs> episode 7 I thought was better than 8 with a nice little cameo by Tuvok, which when I was anticipating who might show up in the show, I didn't expect him. But he turned out to be a changeling, so the changelings are deep into Starfleet, as we know. Um, well, and they kind of talked about this a little bit, too, but it makes you wonder, what have they done to the people that they have uh, uh, assumed their identities? We already know from the ensign on the Titan that they killed him. Right. I'm going to assume they did not kill Tuvok. He said that they did or were going to or something, but, you know, why kill a fan favorite off screen for no reason, <laughs> you know, but... Well, it might mean that we'll see him again by the end of the season. Right. And we got a little backstory on Vatic. She was a changeling who was being experimented on. She took the form of her tormentor. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Federation being cast as the bad guys here. They supposedly infected the changelings, you know, with the disease, but didn't give them the cure. But, you know, Worf thought that they did give them the cure. And then they've also been doing biological warfare experimentation on them. So I don't Torture. know. Yeah. So if that was Starfleet, which it appears that it was, I don't know. Can't how, have anything good in, in the world anymore. How much does this go against Gene Roddenberry's? Uh, probably a lot. So they've been going in this direction since Deep Space Nine. So they had like Section 31, which is like a undercover agency within Starfleet. And, you know, Cisco had a very controversial thing where he... Um, it was one of the, one of the best episodes of DS9. He basically manipulated the Romulans into joining the war by, God, I don't remember, letting someone get assassinated or something like pretty iffy stuff. But this, it, I don't know. <laughs> this this definitely would have gone against what Ronenberry wanted. But Ronenberry wanted was kind of stupid too. So yeah, it's like I mean I don't have a problem it being a little bit more realistic. And, and maybe the thing is is you can't always have the Romulans and the Klingons be the problem. Right. So yeah. So I, I don't know how I feel like, because it is more realistic. Like, of course, if you have an enemy as dangerous as the Changeling or the Borg or whatever, you're going to do controversial things. So I know, but Starfleet and Star Trek are supposed to be uh, positive and stuff. So, But it reminded me, they had this dilemma before when they found Hugh, who was the Borg, and they, infect, they were going to infect him with something to send it back to the Collective and wipe out the Collective. And it would have been, they thought, genocide. So they didn't do it. And that was like the kind of moral debate of that episode. So it is possible, it, you know, if they zig instead of zag, they could have done it. But anyway, so Vedic is, you know, kind of justified here. The changelings, you have certainly have more sympathy for them if they're, they're this happened. So. Well, it's 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 where you take it, though. Like I I have sympathy for Vedic and and what has happened to her and a lot of her kind, you know, that were tortured and stuff, but. She exponentially has taken it where she's just killing indiscriminately now. So this is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like, where does it end? Well, I think the highlight of these two episodes was probably getting to see LeVar Burton do some some acting. Um, you can see the desperation in his on his face and in his voice when he wants Data to open the door for him when his daughter's in trouble. Yeah, it was very touching. Like, one, it was really good acting on his part. You... Our, our dog is chewing his bone in the background. <laughs> we'll just go ahead. Um, 
you know, it was really great acting and you really get drawn into it. Like you said, that desperation, but also it is playing on, I think the love that a lot of us have for the relationship that data and, and Jordy had. And this is a different Jordy than we knew on TNG. He's a family man. Now he's got two daughters and one of them is in danger. And I just thought LeVar did a great job. And Brent Spiner, I didn't like him as these other characters in season one and two. Like, I didn't think his acting was compelling or the characters were interesting as the soons. But when he's in data and lore mode, he's great. Yeah, I love him in both data and lore. Yeah, it's it's like, it's yeah, just great acting. And I was trying to parse out, like, is, is he legit better at acting these roles than he is the other roles? Or is it just that I like these roles better? Um, I think it's because you like these roles better. <laughs> it's been many, many years since I saw him in Independence Day, but I think he can, he is a good actor and can do different roles. I think part of Data is that he does just such an amazing job with the lack of typical portrayal of emotion especially facially and and but also like gross motor wise with his whole body movements he did look animatronic with his presentation as data um his little head quirks and such but even the way how he holds his face just so lacking a lot of the emotion that you typically see even with just basic conversation and when he goes into lore he just does such a good job being kind of evil <laughs> that you like that yeah and looking unimpressed with his like lazy grin or whatever it would be yeah and it's such a contrast to data too so when you get it right next to each other and he did that here where he's literally swapping between two of them with amazing ease which was just really fun to watch and then when they have their little internal battle Data tricks him into, tricks Lore into becoming Data by essentially giving him his memories and... Well, he tricks him into becoming a part of him. I think maybe, maybe this is just me rationalizing and I own that, but that Data was more okay with it because Lore wasn't being eliminated. He was being uh, assimilated. Right. Yeah. So I would assume that Lore would show up now in Data's personality in I some way. I think he will. Um, we only have two episodes left. So they, they definitely took their time getting getting data back to us. Yeah, and then we talked about this in the last episode, but they came up with some nonsense about why he's old and fat now. And, <laughs> and it works. They have to do that. Because I know that Brent Spiner didn't want to play data anymore because he thought he aged out of the character and it just didn't make sense. So they, they did the thing and now his neck hurts and uh, it works. Yeah, so mostly uh, episode eight was action-based and it was all right. We really got introduced to how Jack can take over people in this episode. Right. So Jack's powers, they even said Jack's powers are seem to be getting stronger. I didn't like that both episodes ended with the cliffhanger of now you're going to find out who Jack is. Like Vedic said that at the end of episode seven. But then we get to the end of episode eight and they're about to open the door. So we, <laughs> we didn't really find out who he was yet. But... Well, and they're introducing that whatever this quote-unquote disease or illness that we've been led to believe that that Picard has and runs in his family, which isn't it related to his mom too? Like, didn't she have like bipolar or something? I'm trying to remember. Well, she was, yeah, she was mentally unstable. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't remember. Are they two different things I, here? I think there are two different things. Okay. But, uh, well, I mean, this is where Picard makes it confusing, but here they're taking a whole stance though that it, you know i remember when crusher was saying you know it causes delusions or things and and hallucinations and this is like one of those things where it actually doesn't they're they're seeing things that other people cannot see yes but those things actually exist right so it's not just in his mind there's something there so it's powers versus delusions and hallucinations yeah. um and we learn that the Chainlings go after Picard's body, not because they want his DNA to impersonate him and be better replicas, but because they wanted his brain. We had Riker and Troy. We got to see them together. It was all right. I didn't think it was great. Their banter was a little bit funny. The The best part of that was definitely when Worf showed up and, <laughs> you know, was kind of... Because he dated Troy. Right. They had a weird little relationship at the end of TNG. They, they kind of hinted at that, but he was also just... Kind of explaining just her as a psychologist and all this stuff. So that part was pretty funny. Uh, but how Worf got on board and... <laughs> I like that you just called Troy a psychologist. Yeah, counselor. Yeah. <laughs> when mm. she's an empath. <laughs> yeah. You're not totally off with that. I just appreciated that. Well, and they use her empath power with Jack. They could have done that with a Vulcan too, which made me wonder if that's why they had Vadic assassinate the Vulcan rather than the people she was originally going to eliminate. Um Probably not, but the keen observer would remember the Vulcans can do Vulcan mind melds and probably could have got into Jack's psyche. Then we had that kind of goofy scene of Raffi hand-fighting these changelings, which, why were they hand-fighting? Don't they have weapons? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think I asked you that. Yeah. I was like, why, why are they doing that? Yeah, and that's, that's, and that's Star Trek for you. Yeah, that's where stuff just kind of fell apart, but that's, yeah. Well, there's no continuity with phasers, blasters, incinerators, right. hand-to-hand combat. When someone's all by themselves and it's no big deal. Well, when Worf took out the changeling on the Shrike, he took it out with a knife first and then phasered it. And how much would a knife hurt? It's kind of, we don't know with these chunky <laughs> changelings how, how much stuff hurts, but whatever. So I don't know. I, not as much to say about these episodes as we usually do because they were mostly action-based and the story didn't progress that much further as far as what's happening. But Vedic was taken out. The Shrike was taken out. I don't know why the Shrike suddenly couldn't fight just because she was taken out. There's other changelings on board, right, that could put up the shields and stuff. Well, I, mean, so. I don't know if this is just not a correct or better way to think about it, but wouldn't you want to board the Shrike and see what they have on board before <laughs> you just... Blow it all to smithereens? Well, right, if it was that defenseless. But I don't see any reason why it would be that defenseless. Unless Worf took out all the changelings where there weren't any left. So, right, yeah. But it already displayed previously that it had amazing technology. That it, it they are capable of stealing things. But also just that there might be answers right. on board. There might like, have a database with who's changelings. And, it just it felt <laughs> like know. a very premature decision yeah. that I didn't totally find. And then, um, oh, what's the Titan's captain name? Shaw. Shaw. He has lost command of his, or had to give away command. Like, it's like on, off, on, off, yeah. on, off with <laughs> with this over and over again. And I just, him giving uh, seven of nine kind of captain powers temporarily on the bridge. Like, you know, it's fun for viewers to watch that. But it's also like, why? It, it's not really his character. It's not like he suddenly changed who he is. Like is. And then when Seven jumped out of the turbo lift or whatever to be with Jack when he had his um, fight with Vedic, like she didn't really add anything. They made it act like that was like a moment that was something, but she was just there. The, well, that she was acting like a captain and taking 
ownership of her decisions that could get other people killed. And because that was part of what Shaw and her chatted about. Um, that's our dog playing with a toy now. <laughs> um, yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, so I think just the destruction of the strike and Vatic's death. And by the way, some changelings in DS9 could fly in space. So I, maybe it's her her evolved chunkiness that this allowed it and made her freeze. But Oh, okay. Because it, it, what happened here is what I think a lot of people would think about if you get exposed to space is that you get really cold. Yeah. And, then, and it showed that she broke apart, but we already know that changelings can become gloopy in different levels and then come together. Yeah, so I, th- I think it made sense. If so we, she may not be defeated. Uh, no, she's a goner. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it made sense that she froze and then broke apart the way she did. It's just there was this one episode of DS9 where a changeling was able to fly around in space. But he was like an advanced changeling, so with a lot of practice and not evolved like these ones. But yeah, I think they just wanted to end that chapter mm-hmm. on that fight scene. So they took out the ship, they took out the, the bad guys, and now they're going to tell us who Jack is. And whatever the big plot is, and who the real bad guy is. So all in all, I would say these are two of the weaker episodes, especially the last one, episode eight, Surrender. One thing where I'm really confused is Ro had tons and tons and tons of intelligence and data that she offered to them. And all they've done is go to Daystrom Station and retrieve data, which they were already doing with Worf and Raffi. So did they get nothing from all of that? Like what's happening with that? Yeah, what was all her intelligence gathering? Yeah, so some time had gone by between the episodes because it showed that they had been looking for Riker for a while. And that's when Seven contacted Tuvok. Yeah, I don't know what Rose's mission thus far has accomplished. Yeah. I think my thing right now is only because we are advanced throughout the season. I'm enjoying these episodes. So you and I are kind of being a little bit harsher right now about these two episodes. We still like them. It was still enjoyable. But... I feel like there's some loose ends here and I I get that season's not done here, but it just could have been wrapped up a little bit better with some things. Uh, It could feel more consequential. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, shorter one today, but there's two episodes left. I think they're going to finish strong. I hope they're going to finish strong and hopefully it won't truly be the finish. Do you? Do you think that they will do a spinoff show in some way or another from this? Uh, I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to put it at 60% probability. And any guesses as to who would be involved? Seven of nine. Maybe Shaw. Jordy's daughter. If anyone from TNG... They might do cameos. Yeah, maybe Riker or Jordy, but I don't know. And then I guess Picard's son, they could have a... He could be part of it, but he seems like he's destined for bigger things. I could be wrong about that, but... But are they just going to write off both of Beverly's sons just to be never seen or heard from again? (laughs) Yeah, well, he's not part of Starfleet. He could become so. So I don't know. If if there's a spinoff, though, I do feel like Seven will be on it. Uh, All right, anything else? I would love to see the crew, our original TNG crew, just really come together and do some fun stuff in these last two episodes, like yeah. as a team. Well, this was right. This was the first episode where eight episodes in where they were all together. 
um, finally at the very end. So only two episodes left to see them all together. Well, and they're all together, but they're not doing stuff together yet. Like they're kind of disjointed and, and over here and over here and stuff, or it's like, hey, nice to see you again. But I'd love to see them acting as a team doing something. Yeah. Collectively. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, be- between Picard, Riker, and Shaw, we still don't even know who's in charge. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Well, and yeah. Jordy is not no one either. Yeah, yeah, right. He's a Commodore, right. So we got four. Like, what's the order of people? Dogs. Well, the problem is Picard is retired. But I believe rank-wise, there's Admiral, then Commodore, then Captain. So that would be Picard, then Jordy, then Shaw and Riker. But... Picard is so technically retired. active duty. The highest ranking person is Jordy, right? But I don't know if he can. Yeah, I don't know. Shaw still is the. He could be relieved, but it's his ship. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, thanks for listening. Well, sorry it's so late. Yeah, and we won't do the last two episodes together like we did this one. We will do them individually. All right. Bye. <laughs>